1: up? Welcome to episode number 365 of On the Corner, the official PictureList.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fass, joined as always by my brother in Hasidic beards, Nick <laughs> Pollock. Nick, how you doing?
2: What is happening? Uh yeah. Fass and I have not <laughs> shaved for a while. No, so I believe it, it is getting a lot. This is one of the longest ones I've had. I actually got to the point that the mustache, which looks like I'm bleeding hair out of my nose. mm um, I had to actually shave the bottom part so I didn't get it in my mouth. Anymore. Oh wow! Like so the whiskers were, were getting in. so annoying. Yeah, yeah. That I actually did that. I curated my beard. I've never done that before.
1: Look at us! Look at us becoming right men down, yeah. at age thirty-four.
2: I, mean, I don't know if that's a definition, but really? I yeah. Oh, man, we're going to be 35 this year fast.
1: That's unbelievable. can't even think about oh. that. Happy New Year to everyone who's listening to us. We're very excited to kick off, you know, even though we've already sort of kicked off the 2023 season. It's here. It's in earnest. We don't have to be like, it's 2022 now, but in the 2023 season, not like we did that all the time. Either way, it's here. Baseball is happening this year. We're very Maybe. excited. We've got so many great things coming up. There's going to be a major announcement coming from Nick coming this week about something that you guys are going to definitely want to be paying attention to. Sure. Um, but that's what we're talking about today. What we're talking about today. Now, I don't really know. Uh, well, I, I, Nick, I don't know if this is your favorite thing to be doing in a podcast to be. I actually really like this format. What do you want? What do you want? So we, we introduced this a few weeks ago, and it's like guys that we were digging into. And here's why mm-hmm. I kind of dig it. Right. So we're going to go over about five or six guys that Nick and I have yeah. done kind of deep dives on. The, the season is upon us, as we've said. In the next couple of months, you're going to hear dozens of very, very good podcasts about top 100 pitcher breakdowns. And we're going to be doing some of them. Other people in the industry that we're friends with are going to be doing some of them. But when you go through them, you naturally can't dedicate more than like two or three minutes to any individual pitcher right what these podcasts are this is our second now uh are give us an opportunity at least from my perspective to slow down just focus on a few guys and break down what we're looking into what we're researching right like obviously you get a little bit more insight into nick's process because he does those fantastic streams every day he's got those uh the um uh what's the podcast that i'm thinking of that's only for plus pitch, pitch little- podcast the it is now plus- public you can see it on this feed uh and it go. will
2: be public forever now i do 15 so minutes go. going over every single starting pitch and rotation as i prepare for my top 200 i'm actually writing out all the blurbs now to make myself a little more sane that last month <laughs> or last week of january and first week of february so yeah yeah that process you can see they'll meet the side and and figure things out and yell and scream and it's gonna be great so definitely so yeah, I- tune in to twitch
1: I dig that, and this gives us an opportunity to say, hey, Nick, you don't have 15 minutes. You got an hour, Bubba. And we're only doing a couple pictures. So it, it, it's a, a little more laid back, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit like, let's dive in. Let's get into the nitty gritty. Last time, we talked a little bit about Kyle Gibson. We talked about <laughs> what it meant to <laughs> change. What What are you laughing at? It was a good conversation.
2: Like, yeah, I know. I know. It's like all these guys, okay, fantasy relevance and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, we really talked about Kyle Gibson. Kyle like, oh, Gibson. We are... We are a fantasy baseball podcast, all right. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe he's 12 team relevant. I don't expect him to be, but maybe that cutter, maybe he was one of the biggest sleepers. We're actually today, we are gonna talk about who may be my number one sleeper for deeper leagues in 2023.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I'm curious to hear who that is. Oh, I now I, mean, I know who it is. Okay. You
2: know who it is, because you know, I mean, there's only one person who could be that.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say, but I don't think it's I that gave person. You. That's an exciting nine. name. No it's one good is good really drafting
2: him. I'm not going to draft him in twelve teamers, but like this is someone I think people are going to say, "Oh, I wonder how are we going to find the next X when like we mm-hmm. start pitching in June or July or something." Uh, he's a very intriguing one. That's all.
1: We're going to get into two as we start to. We are going to get to these pitchers momentarily, but I, what I want to focus on, to Nick, for this podcast is like, and this is this is a kind of an ongoing conversation with me as I'm also doing my 2023 pitchers starting pitchers research
2: fast has like four months to do them and i'm so happy you started early
1: i started early yeah i definitely because i didn't want to have a little backlog and i'm trying to get through two a day and i have about a dozen done so far which is nice um but what's been you know i've been trying to kind of so much i've been trying to break down what the process is and because there's no Mm -hmm. science to it right like nope. there's no way to. It, pitchers are not like hitters. There's much more volatility year over year. There's no real. There's so many different directions that every pitcher can go into, and every oh, yeah. pitcher is such a unique thing. So I still don't. After years, this is probably my fourth year of doing this. I still don't even really have a process. I just like looking at these dudes and figuring out what makes them unique. So with that said, well, what let's you start
2: do. You should yeah. read The Process, which Jeff Zimmerman actually just released. Uh, so if you need a process, there you can go. You can. There you uh, go. That's a great the, idea. The process 2023. I will also say in First Pitch, Arizona, one of the coolest parts about going to those events, I'll be there at First Pitch, Florida. Maybe I can convince this guy to go. I don't know if you're going to be there fast if you can be there. But uh, we'll yeah, see. We'll see.
1: It might be tough this year, for, especially if...
2: Fine. Well, when because is it? I'll have when is it? to do the labor draft on on my own this
1: time. I'm not in labor anymore. It's just you. When? No, when,
2: it's us. We were a team,
1: aren't we? No, right. I, to, I. No, I. I backed out of labor last year. Um, shows how much you remember. What? What was? Uh, <laughs> what was? Where? When is it this year? I. Uh,
2: well, we don't know quite yet. Uh, I imagine it's going to be at the end of February or early March, uh, like it was before. Um, if it is, but anyway. But my point is. You have these fantastic conversations with so many people in the industry. Mm-hmm. I remember the very first night I was there, uh, Rob Silver and Todd Zola and I were at a table talking about projections and like how we evaluate pitchers. And Todd said this thing, I just don't understand how you can rank anybody without projections. And honestly, I get it completely. I don't do that because I'm very much about a, a an ebb and flow of ceiling versus floor and uh probability of exercising this element of the repertoire and what that could possibly mean that isn't really found in a regression model or, or so on and so forth. Um, it's, it's a completely different system that I have internally, but I understand that generally you're not supposed to be able to do this well fast without creating some projections. Mm. Like you're going to be wrong. I'm wrong all the time. The, I, you might the need real projections. Sauce for me. We might need projections, which we are <laughs> putting out fast. Yeah, in a yeah. very unique way in about a month or so, five weeks from PL8, five
1: weeks. Unbelievable! God, it's yeah, so quick. That's
2: February seventh, PL8 is coming, y'all. And uh, I'm I'm going to be a little bit more open in general about what that means. I think uh, through the uh, through the month of January. So we'll talk about that later. But my point is, what is your process? How do you do it? And you're going to be wrong. Just accept it. Yeah. Move on. Move on. But take some chances, make mistakes, get messy. Miss Frizzle method. If you really have a gut instinct in some pitch being really, really good, and that you can compare it to someone else who's done something similar, then that's generally the path I think uh, to it. Uh, that's that's the best advice I can give you.
1: So I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna start with a picture, and I'm gonna mm-hmm. pretend as if it's the beginning of how I would research this picture. Right? Okay. And I'm gonna say what I would pull up, and I'll walk you through the research that I've done for it. So the first picture that we're actually gonna talk about today is 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 a is a a favorite of, of Nick's. What what is so funny? You even turned off your mic, you got such a good chuckle out of this.
2: I, I didn't. I just
1: <sighs> Fast. I know this is gonna sound so weird,
2: and I'm so sorry everybody <laughs> Let's hear it. <laughs> When I hear the word "pull up," uh-huh. or the phrase "pull up," okay, um, in my family, my dad was a musical music engineer, like a recording mm-hmm. engineer, and mm-hmm. he often he did hundreds of jingles for for companies. A lot of the times, he was working at the studio, and they would have to come in and do one. They did one
1: for loves. pull-ups. Huggies pull-ups, loves, oh, Huggies
2: well. pull-ups. yeah, okay. Huggies pull-ups. <laughs> uh-huh. And in my family, it's a joke saying, "Mommy, wow." i'm a big kid 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 now now. because it's the pull-ups and that is where my mind is right now as
1: i do god i haven't heard that jingle in forever (laughs) right but that's just
2: in my because my dad worked on that so like we were there eager at the television for this commercial to go on because my dad you know yeah yeah like look at this commercial mommy wow (laughs)
1: I'm a big kid now. I can't yeah. I remember that. So, yeah. I, like, that's like a so part. It's just if like
2: pull up. I'm just oh boy. All
1: right. Well, this is how I huggies my research. I guess <laughs> this is what I do. I'm so so, sorry, so no, 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 no. It's okay. It's good. Uh, we're gonna start with a, a guy that you liked a little bit last year. I think you liked a little bit coming into this year. And it's it's John Gray. So when I was Ooh. researching John Gray, the five websites that I would huggies are. Uh, <laughs> list, I would go to our Pitcherless player what? pages. Get which out of here. No way. Yep. I, I have it right here. I go That's to smart, Pitcherless, man. Fangraphs, Baseball Savant, Brooks Baseball, and Texas mm. Leaguers. I have all five of them open. And I go Texas to John League. Gray's. Texas Leaguers is a fun. I like the way that they show data. It's nice. You have to go to their website and then I think hit scout and then search for the player and then the way that they show movement is really cool. Um, so I take a look at each of those individual things. And here is what I started to to uncover about John Gray. And then I'm going to spit out what I think my projection is because hearkening back to the conversation that we just had, I do spit out a projection for each of them because that's the best way for me to to try and kind of get to the bottom of this. So for John Gray, here are some of the things that I noticed. We had our first first full season outside of of cores for gray we get a sub four era which is nice third time in his career we get the second lowest fip of his career and we get a career low sierra now sierra is the stickiest metric year over year of all the era estimators so it's exciting Mm -hmm. to see a a career low sierra especially if there were changes that went into it now it is worth noticing or, or noting that again just not a lot of innings right 127 and a third innings has not thrown Over 150 since since 2018. Um, Now, he did start throwing a sweeper last year, uh, and I did some research because I'm very cautious about if a pitch is a sweeper or a slider. And it it is referred to he is referring to it as a sweeper. Um, And it really seemed to positively impact the four seamer. 332 Woba, second lowest of his career on the pitch. Still kind of a below average swinging strike rate, positive step from 2021 though. And the sweeper itself was pretty good too. Over 20% swinging strike rate for the first time in a couple of seasons on that breaking pitch started throwing it out of the zone a lot. The O swing jumped a lot too. Um, A lot of the numbers actually resemble what he did in 2019, which was a a really career year for John Gray, but we didn't a lot of people said, okay, get him out of cores. We're not going to see any of these home run issues anymore. That's not the case. They didn't really subside the home run issues. Um, I did find it interesting too, that he took, when you see a guy start to throw a sweeper, it's usually because they have a really spin efficient four seamer. Um, and usually those things get tweaked together. And that happened with, with John Gray. He started flattening that four seamer a lot. Um, here's the interesting thing about, uh, about John Gray's sweeper. Okay. So the WOBA and the X WOBA and the Wobacon were all within like 10 points of one another last year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, on the sweeper, the pitch had a negative 12 run value last year, right. which just means that it was really good in high leverage situations. Right. That's the kind of thing about run value that I don't think we talk about enough is that nuance of like ru- run value cannot often be a good thing because it's using it when you're in situations where there are men on base. Right. Um, he had a negative 12 run value last year. Remember the Woba, the X Woba, and the Wobicon, all very similar. He had a zero run value on it this year. Zero. Yeah. It was so bad with runners in scoring position, which I think is really, really fascinating. Uh, I don't know if that, I don't know how you interpret that. If that is guys waiting for that particular count and knowing that he's going to go to that slider, if it's just a bad luck thing. If it's just he doesn't have enough in his arsenal to be relying on in that particular moment, I mean, I think he he, he didn't up the sweeper percentage, but I mean, he, he's a he's a four seam sweeper guy. He he's not really going to the to the curveball or the changeup all that much. But when you hear that a guy regressed that much in run value on a pitch, despite the batted ball metrics largely being the same. What does that say to you? Does that say luck? What are your thoughts? Well,
2: What it says to me is that overall, John Gray allowed 28 hits on his slider the entire year.
1: Mm. And they just had to have all been in high leverage situations.
2: Yeah, I'm not going to lean too much into this. I see that he allowed eight home runs in 745 thrown a little bit more than he did in 2021. 900 plus thrown in seven home runs. Um, More fly balls on the slider uh, this past year for John Gray. I... not really something that I expect him to hold a 50% fly ball rate despite having a 66% low location, which is what you want to see. Generally, locations are very good on it. I think it's still an exceptional slider. 14% hard contact rate is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Uh, As you mentioned, 21% swing strike rate on it is great. I think, honestly, yeah, it's more about luck and noise to me. Um, I think John Grade's slider is excellent, and we should treat it as such. I also think about the full season of John Gray and the volatility of health and getting into any sort of rhythm mm. uh, was a major factor for him. I was just waiting and waiting for John Gray to just have a normal every five days. I was really in on John Gray entering the season. I didn't really get that for a while. And then finally he did. And he was just so dang good. He had this wonderful stretch. Um, where between the 12th of June to the end of the year, it lost 81 innings. It was a 3-2-1 ERA, 103 whip, and a 27% K rate. And to many, to to really to me, like that's, that's kind of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he is very much capable of that. He also missed all of August for the most part. John Gray did and really needed to, you know, really at the end of the year, he had three starts but he was ramping back up in the last two, he allowed 900 runs. So I'm just looking forward to a healthy John Gray season. The good news is that you don't need to get John Gray as your SP3. You mm. honestly don't really need to get him as an SP4. And when you have someone that has legitimate top 20 SP upside, if he were to just get the volume, um, where it's not like he won't get the chance to get the volume. If John Gray does not go on the IL, he will go 180 innings. I think that's a pretty you know, standard affair. Maybe 170 if you want to push back on him having a 6 IPS or so. That's mm-hmm. fine. But my point is the only thing holding him back is just being on the field at this point. And I'm just... Oof, I'm in. I'm so in on that um, as my SP5. I haven't actually written about John Gray yet because it's the Texas Rangers. I emphasize the T because that's late. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just got past the Pittsburgh Pirates today. So I go alphabetically. I... But yeah, I'm in. I mean, I think the, the slider is good. The, the fastball velocity being at 96 as opposed to 95 and underneath that is great. That's a full tick above where he stood in 2021. And even in 2021, John Gray increases fastball velocity uh, around June, July. And we were talking about him doing it at the exact right time to be dealt by the Rockies. And then he got hurt and then that was it. Um, but I think that fastball is good enough. It's not a great one. It gets hit a little mm. bit too hard. But when it's sitting at 96 and above, I generally believe that it does enough to make the slider work.
1: So here's my final projection for him. I, I only say 140 innings. I imagine you're yeah, taking the over. Uh,
2: yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, my point is um, if, he, if he's over, then he shouldn't be drafted as SP4 5. He should be more as a 4. Hmm. Um, I guess what I'm getting at is that innings projection is based on health completely and totally. not the Rangers toying with him. Yep. right yeah and that's the, a good thing that's a much better version of the lower inning projection
1: yeah 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 um so yeah i have 140 innings i have seven wins i mean who cares you never know So <laughs> i just have to list it for maybe the Rangers
2: are better no they're not really though their offense isn't that good yeah it's just well seven. yeah they and still have yeah, i don't and, know goldies uh, garcia and that's it i still think
1: they're gonna finish third in the division even with that rotation um mm-hmm. Now you probably take take the under. I have him at a three ninety ERA next year.
2: Yeah, I'm taking him under that. It's three ninety six this past year. Um, mm-hmm. As you mentioned, the home runs were a little bit higher than we want to see. Um, but yeah, I think I think John Gray's a little bit better than three nine six ERA.
1: Okay, um, so you take the How under mean, there. For, I put you, him
2: projection wise. It's about right because he can go south. It can go north. You know. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm taking the under. Uh,
1: I put him at a one fifteen WHIP. Sure,
2: that works for me.
1: Yeah. And then I said the K rate probably gonna remain about the same at about twenty five percent. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that's cool with yeah. me. Yeah. So I okay. mean that that's kind of my my point is three ninety rate, right? I think that's a good standard projection for him. Uh if it's better than that, right? Which is and you're pretty called- easy. Honestly, when we say these things, like the difference between like a three seven and a three nine or so, it's just so small. Yeah. Um so let's just say it goes like 3-7 with a one fifteen whip you're saying in 25% K rate across 140 150 innings. That's that's helpful for you, you know. Uh, that's a productive guy word that you're starting every single time that he pitches, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I also am expressing that there is an, uh, a prob- or there's a probability of an outcome that is much better than that too. Um, yeah. I am I mean I will I do want to be honest here the the fastball I wish it were a little better. Mm. Right. It's hovering around a 30% hard contact rate. And I want it to be, I mean, that's like the lowest I think it's ever been is what it was in 2022 for John Gray's fastball. I want it to be just a little bit better, like an 8.5% swing strike rate isn't good. His locations aren't great. When you see above a 30% uh, YM lock, it's like, oh, YM lock being vertical middle in between high lock and low lock. Right. Um, That location lock. Not good. You don't want to be belt high. You want to be above it or below it. And he just can't do it. But having an 8.5% swing strike rate with that poor location makes me wonder, can he get to 10% swing strike rate if he changes that, right? So there's still more potential, I think, um, there for John Gray, and hopefully he can reach it.
1: All right, we have another guy we're going to get to. Before we do, we're going to take a quick break.
0: Fads come and go. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today.
2: I got to say fast. Um, I told you beforehand, hey, around 20 minutes we should do it. And pretty much a 2004 is right when I brought down my cadence and you were like, we got a big one, boys.
1: Jump. Jump in, baby. <laughs> jump in. <laughs> jump on in. The water's fine. We this
2: victory today for getting the ad break, all right? okay you got it. I'm proud of you.
1: You've come so far. <laughs> Much like Michigan, uh, we're back and Nick's a loser. Uh, <laughs>
0: what?
2: What? No. Oh, oh, no. No. You mean OSU losing twice? and their last so, final two games of the year and the only games that, was, that matter uh,
1: that was unbelievable so i, I texted nick cuz my buddy's a diehard osu fan i really could care less about college football and uh i, I texted him after michigan lost and was giving him giving him some 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 and talk like, some why? smack talk why
2: is this happening right now
1: yeah and then i was so care. ready to text you during the osu game because it looked like they were going to win it but i honestly the funniest oh, image to me i
2: had things so to do it was new year's eve
1: yeah the funniest image to, to me was the fact that they lost, like literally, as it turned.
2: Oh right, to I saw new that. Year. As
1: it- <laughs> and people, people were in bars in Ohio that were also celebrating New Year's. So as the it kick went wide, so you know, like the like balloons dropped and everything. Like it looked. <laughs> That to me. It's just so funny. Oh, it's endlessly that. funny. So, oh just that gosh. miserable, like, oh my God, my know. year is already awful. Anyway, we're back. Yeah. We're going to dig into one yeah. of the pitchers that Nick wanted to do a deep <laughs> dive into. It's a guy that you've heard Nick mention before. Uh, it, uh, it, definitely in stories about a Chris Sale start in Boston. The guy who was pitching against Chris Sale. If you know this, it's a little pictureless trivia. Who is the pitcher that Nick was obsessed with during Chris Sale's return to the mound? It wasn't Chris Sale who who had him sitting in the corner of the bar watching highlights on his phone. It was Aaron Ashby. So, Nick, why don't you do a quick little deep dive into Aaron Ashby and what you're thinking about his 2023 outlook?
2: You just confused a lot of people. We had a PL Boston meetup, and we went to the hmm. game, which happened to be Chris Sale's return from Tommy John in 2021. And then afterwards, we're getting dinner, and I'm the antisocial one, have my phone up, watching Aaron Ashby start from that day. Okay, I... <sighs> This is sad, though, fast. Um, I You guys know I, I just love watching the guy pitch. He throws 95-96 with a sinker. Slider is one of the higher CSW sliders out there, 36%, um, after going 45% in 2021. And Ashby has this changeup that he's able to get strikes at a 67% rate and a 21% hard contact rate. This should work. There's one thing that irks me. It irks me so much that I am not going to be drafting Aaron Ashby this year. Wow. Unless unless this is like the the one time I might lean into a pitch change and actually like, and I know we've said our biggest lesson about like spring training and stuff is to not read into pitch changes. Like actual, oh, I'm going to throw more fastballs or this or that. This is one that I actually, if I had a hard quote from Ashby about, then I might act on. Otherwise I'm avoiding him. And the biggest weakness for Aaron Ashby in 2023 is throwing sinkers to right-handers. Hmm. It is not a good pitch. And I, I truly mean, just please don't do it. Aaron Ashby is teammates with Corbin Burns, who has arguably the best cutter in the game, and Brandon Woodruff, who I would say has a what top 10 four-seamer in baseball, sure. or something yeah. like that. Yeah. And all I hope for... All I want for Christmas is Aaron Ashby learning one of those two pitches to throw against right-handers. Because against right-handers, this sinker had a 44% hard contact, 284 batting average allowed. Uh, it's just, this is the problem that he's had. And he stays away from them. He tries to make that work. And it's just not good at all. 369 Woba allowed on it. I, I mean, a 23% homer five ball rate. Like, this is the problem. Really good against lefties. He, Ashby jams that sinker all day against lefties. It's great. But you're going to face a lot of righties, Aaron Ashby. And the slider's good. The changeup's good. The Kerbal actually has its moments too. But you throw in a ton of sinkers, over a third of them, against right-handers. And that's just not going to cut it. So until Aaron Ashby actually says, all right, fine. That four-seamer that I sometimes elevate, that's actually going to be my plan of attack up and in against right-handers, or maybe I'm going to throw cutters inside to them. Then I'm like, okay, maybe this could work. But then also throw in the fact that Aaron Ashby's command isn't great. Uh, 10% walk rate this past year. And that sinker, yeah, it kind of goes all over the place. He's not pristine with it. So I don't have a whole lot of faith that Aaron Ashby is going to make the right adjustment this season when it comes to his command and also move away from throwing sinkers to right-handers. Uh, so I'm out.
1: I'm not in on this fast. Where are you? Is his sinker that good against lefties? It looks like it was also pretty bad against lefties too. It's better. I'm I'm, I'm loading
2: it up now to remember exactly what the stats are for it. But he does jam them inside. 23% hard contact. I'll take that all day. 2.43 batting average allowed. Uh, 71% strike rate and a 35% CSW. Yeah, that's. I'm all isn't, the, isn't the
1: WOBA like only like 10 points different 20 points different
2: no no I'm seeing 337 versus 369 uh on oh, okay. baseball
1: right savant has a little bit different this is what's so friggin' frustrating man like eh, we gotta try and figure out something not just us I'm talking about the industry as a whole like there sure. are so many pictures that I have researched where it's like you can go to four different websites and see four <laughs> different metrics on four different on we the are same actually pitch. uh
2: we have a solution for making that a little bit easier Uh, to keep track of. So that we'll be rolling that out later this year. But regardless of the facts of that, I do believe in the locations for Ashby against lefties a little bit better. It just makes more sense. Sam handedness. You're supposed to throw sinkers. Um, So that, that makes sense. That's fine. I have no problem with that, but opposite handedness, you, you really, honestly, you can't succeed much with it unless you're doing front hip stuff. And like with the precision of Kyle Hendricks or Aaron Nola. And that's not what Aaron Ashby is doing. He's still mm-hmm. staying arm side away from them. And it just doesn't work uh, There, It looks good, but it doesn't work.
1: If if I'm going to take Ashby, I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. Last year was a major disappointment, but I also know that last year was like fully mired by injury and then back and forth between relief. And right. They would go like front. every other week, he'd start a relief. Uh, a relief there was no, yeah. well, like no, no consistency, consistency. Yeah. Yeah. There was no consistency whatsoever for him. With that said, you're right. I don't know if Aaron Ashby is a guy considering the control issues that he seemed to continue to have and the step back that he took mm-hmm. last year. I don't know if he was a guy that I would be like last year, he was a guy that I would reach for because I thought that there was a lot of potential. I wouldn't mind taking him around or too early because of what I thought the potential would be this year. He's a guy that it's like at the back end of a 12 team. If I'm not in, uh, in love with who the starting pitchers are and he's won the job out of camp, then I'm like, Yeah. Okay. Let's see who the other upside guys are. But Aaron Ashby is in that other upside conversation. I agree with you too, where it's like, I wonder if he's going to, you remember how all of a sudden at the end of camp two years ago, Freddie Peralta was just like on the scene and we had to kind of make that decision whether we needed to buy in it or not. Uh, And then for those who bought in, they got an unbelievable season. I believe it was two years ago. Yeah. Um, I wonder if that same thing with Ashby is going to happen. I, I feel it's so funny because I feel like literally every year, um, the brewers have done this in the off season. They've t- <laughs> like, I remember when Corbin Burns well, was not good. And then they were like, Oh my God, he's the best pitcher in baseball. And then they did it sure. with Freddy Peralta. And then, so like, I I'll give them. Well, okay. So, so
2: entering last year, who was that is Eric Lauer? Because honestly it was like five starts that were amazing from him. And then it was bad after
1: last year. It might've been Ashby. And then the injuries happened.
2: Uh well I don't okay no I was just saying like you said Corbin Burns transformed and then he's mm-hmm. an ace Freddie Peralta transformed and he's an ace right then the next year I was thinking
1: one. last year last yeah. year they're like oh Aaron Ashby transformed and he's an ace gotcha
2: yeah 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 that this is the problem is I think the sinkers bad against right handers and that's just gonna mess them up uh, and and what you're saying too about the feel of almost FOMO of like you place your bets and you have to hold on to it. Like mm-hmm. you don't get another chance to come back on it. I understand that completely, and I am going to tell you right now that my methodology, uh, my strategy for doing this is that I, yes, I am going to miss some things. Yeah, I mean, I, I that that is going to happen. I am not telling you that not, but when in terms of probabilities and how you can set yourself up for the highest chance of finding things and getting stuff, I am going to stick to this. Where like you can take your chance on that guy. Or you can actually work around the guys that aren't taken in your draft instead uh, and giving yourself a better foundation where if you do put all your chips on Ashby, that, all right, you have a backup plan that works.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's interesting. He's interesting. I don't really know. How, I'm, I, I got to dig more. I, he isn't one of the guys I've deep dived on, but like. Unbelievable. You're supposed to have it done by now fast. Yeah, be all it's done. Funny. It's funny. I don't know. There's just so much injury mired in there. Um, uh, oh, man. That's,
2: that's the toughest part about the projections. I say it every time. Like I feel like you have your bingo card. I say this once a podcast. Man, I hate predicting innings. And I, I even put out a, a thing. I was at a, a, a good friend of mine was in town. We were, uh, you know, it was like 11 o'clock or something like that. And I decided to tweet out, like I had an idea with him, like, what if I just made a top 100 that literally had everybody set for 180 innings. Hmm. And that would just be a way to express like this is what ability is and this is how we actually think of them on a per inning basis and then grasping, all right, this is why this guy is higher than the other one because I'm expecting more innings or fewer innings or whatever. And that might showcase some biases that we have. Like Then we could say like, oh, I'm expecting 160 versus 170. Is that really that much of a Deal breaker. Considering mm. I think he's that much better than him, uh, I might do that as a live stream some random January day, uh, and join me if we are going to do that. That should be a that wild is a,
1: ride. that is a fun idea. It is a fun idea because it's also like if if it is so volatile year over year, why are you trusting me to make that decision? You know what I mean? Like sure. I like you can have an innings projection, I can have an innings projection. We're both wrong. I'll guarantee you that.
0: <laughs> um,
1: so. Let like it's almost like take it out of the equation give everyone 180 and then let people decide for themselves what their opinion is there is
2: something to be said about like okay we expect sandy alcantara to have more innings than tyler glass now
1: yeah of course
2: right and then there are those are like reasons for it i you know there are certain guys that aren't efficient per inning um that is still going to be factors the teams that they play on some are going to say, you know, I'm on the Guardians and I can go as long as I want, or other ones that are on the Rays saying, okay, cool, you're at 80 pitches, you're done. Yeah. So we'll see. Uh, you know, there are those weights that we do apply to it, and it's not illogical how we assign it. Sure. Yeah. It, there are some times when we say, oh, he's never done this amount of it. You know, I, I look back at Alec Manoa, who hadn't gone over 130 yet, and what did he do? He went over 190 um, last yeah. year, and those that stayed away expecting 160 or something. Well, that bias getting removed, they probably would have gone more aggressively on Manoa. I, uh, vice versa, you think that some guys are immune from injury or so, and then like Brandon Woodruff goes 124 innings or so, right? Yeah, yeah. Was just, it
1: just 124? I think it was
2: 124 last wow, year. Maybe no, Maybe God. more than that. Maybe 150. I'm thinking about 124 when he returned. Oh, okay. from from the uh, Rayno. We couldn't disease. feel his hands. Yeah, and it's pronounced Raynos, which surprises me, but it is. And I, he was so good, by the way,
1: like Woodruff was
2: amazing, so good. Yeah, we're not valuing that enough. Yeah, he's still Brandon Woodruff. I love him.
1: no that is important to think i was just thinking about when i analyze him you're right you have to break down those two seasons um all right let's let's move on to uh another one this is another guy that i did a deep dive on a couple of days ago or actually maybe even yesterday actually maybe even at like 1 a.m when i couldn't sleep um he's a pitcher (laughs) who i've seen on repeated dark horse cy young lists which i think is interesting i think there's there's almost, there's always like the one over the year who is like, okay, and then there's so much helium that people just end up missing out on him. And that person is, is Christian Javier. Um, So one of the biggest issues that we saw with him in his uh, 101 and one third sample size innings in in 2020, in 2021, excuse me, was the, was the walk rate, right? That was the, the big concern about 13% walk Mm -hmm. rate, wasn't able to find the zone effectively. Now, how you determine if that has changed is tricky, right? Like what's interesting is he actually found the zone better with all of his pitches, his zone rates jumped on the four seamer on the slider and the curve. Uh, what's funny though, is the, the called strike rates didn't change at all. Like they didn't change at all. So before I continue to break it down, does that, how do you, uh, you know, I want to get back to the other analysis I did on him, but it's a good kind of talking point. How do you judge if a guy found the zone better? Because if he got fewer called strikes, does it just mean he's relying more on contact? Like, are you just looking at zone rate? What are you looking at? Well, um,
2: yeah, then you look at swing percentage, right? Uh, So swing percentage on Javier's fastball went up five points, on his slider about three points, and uh, about six to actually seven points, seven to eight on his curveball. Um, What I see is if the guy allows a lot of uh, or minimal hard contact he, heck yeah swing that's great yeah. we want that right and that's what javier does across his four seamer slider and curveball the highest hard contact rate is 22.7 percent. this is why oh. christian javier's 19 percent hard contact rate is fourth best among all starting pitchers
1: yeah In- so i try i wanted to dig into that a little bit too because this could very well be where i go wrong with with my analysis is sometimes I can get too into the nitty gritty, but it's also what I love most about pitching um, to, to, before I get to that, to harken back to the conversation that we just had, the, the important thing, and this is something that you bring up a lot is he, he could throw that breaker for strikes more. Now he could throw that slider in the zone more. Now that's kind of one of the mm-hmm. ways I always thought about it to go from about a 37% to a 44% zone rate for a slider just to me says, okay, Maybe I don't have my four-seamer right now. I can throw this secondary pitch for strikes, and that's that's a dangerous weapon to have for him. But to get into what I was just alluding to, the, the, the four-seamer, he really dug into the arm side approach in 2022, something that you guys would be able to see if you go to the pitcherless player pages and go to the individual pitch and look at approach.
2: Look at you. Um, You've come so he... far. <laughs> uh,
1: now, the arm side or
2: high location? I believe arm side, if you go look at his uh, four seamer,
1: just his four seamer,
2: his four seamer, a location that is arm side location went down from 42.5% to 38%.
1: 42. Oh, so his maybe I, I was looking went
2: from 60 to 65%.
1: I see what I did. I mixed up the, uh, I was looking at 2021 and 2022 and swapping them. Um, okay, so good. Uh, he really get away. From the arm side approach in 2022. <laughs> now, aside from the approach there, he he's got a very very flat four seamer by vertical approach angle. He's really really good at keeping it super oh, yeah. flat, so good. Um, super spin efficient. Nothing really remarkable about it. The extension or the release point. Really really good um, at at putting away dudes with his uh, with his four seamer. Um, and really very good at limiting hard contact, as you said. What was the hard contact on the four-seamer last year? 22.7%. Oh, that was the one that was, okay. That 31% is the league
2: average for his four-seamer. If you go back to John Gray, that's kind of what his is. Yeah, And that
1: is the highest of a slider curveball and and four-seamer. So the, the slider to that's also uh um I tweeted it this morning because again it was very late at night and I was looking at his his is also a sweeper. There's actually a um a driveline blog post about it a year or two ago saying that he added he added some velocity to his slider in twenty 2020- twenty. One and it got away from its kind of sweeper qualities. He dropped the velocity a bit but picked up a lot of horizontal yeah, movement. We're talking about 15 2. inches 6, of,
2: yeah, inches. I'm seeing 5.4 to 8 on it. The five is
1: huge 5.4 inches of horizontal movement,
2: yeah, from two, 2021 to 2022. Then it goes to eight,
1: it jumps on up, it. A, but it's it's curious because I think uh, I don't yeah, know, they're if different,
2: yeah, it includes. There's the
1: induced and the uh, uh, all the extra stuff. Just it, it moved more. It's great. It moved more. Yeah, that's all you need to know. It doesn't matter if it's with gravity, without gravity. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it moved a lot more. Yeah, and it picks up. It picks up a lot of movement. Um, he added some. Oh, I usually don't talk about this, but he added overall spin to the pitch while maintaining the sort of gyro movement on it. So he added Mm. spin. He just made it, he made it filthier. He made it sweet a lot better. 17% swing strike rate above average. I wonder if there's theoretically even a step forward that he could take and maybe get it to like a 20% swing strike rate on it. But even if he doesn't, the 13% swing strike rate on a four seamer or around it is chef's kiss. That's very, very good. Um, Lastly, the kind of interesting thing that I noted too is like, the fly ball rate is is unbelievable, both on the four-seamer and the slider. Um, it is going to be a reason why he's going to be able to, to sustain the low ups. I think a lot of people are going to look at his ups mm-hmm. and be like, that's fallen back down to earth. I don't necessarily know if that's the case. I'm not smart enough, and I try to be, but I'm not, to know what it was that made his slider induce so many fly balls. Maybe it's just the natural sweep to it. But it was the fourth highest fly ball rate in baseball on his slider. It, it so was what high. I would
2: suggest is sweepers, I would imagine, are more about fly balls than ground balls because instead of focusing the movement down, which would mean that you're missing under the bat, mm-hmm. uh, you're trying to miss more away from it, right, mm-hmm. with a sweeper. So that would mean that you're not missing underneath it as much, which means you get more lift on it. Uh, that that's my first thought uh, when it comes to why it would be such a high fly ball rate. Also, low location is not super high. The league average for a slider is 63%, and low location for Christian Javier's slider is just 50%. A mm. uh, lot more high location. 16% is league average. His is 29%. Wow. So for I would sl- imagine sl- being both a sweeper and that location is why you're uh, getting that high fly ball rate.
1: That's interesting. It's something that I think he can sustain too. It's also like, I think the thing that probably gets people so excited too is, you know, we talk about the Rays kind of babying guys along. We talk about the Dodgers. I remember all those conversations about, is this going to be the year that Julio Urias is finally set free? You could say that probably about Christian Javier, right? Oh yeah. Two years ago, really coming out in relief last year, definitely leaning more towards starting, but like, I remember when Verlander went down, they were like, I guess we'll lean on Javier and Hunter Brown a little bit more. It wasn't like Javier's was is a part of it. And then I remember you very distinctly as the playoffs came around being like, get Christian Javier in that rotation. And now that should happen. Verlander's gone. There's no reason he shouldn't start in the rotation. So now we're talking about what? Maybe barring health. 170 innings at yeah, I don't see least that, that. for, for Christian Javier with a 30% K rate and a low three ERA. Like that's wow. That's, that's very good. The uh, one element I do want to mention is you're going to see
2: a 4.9 innings per game for Christian Javier last year. He was used uh, as a reliever to start a little bit. He had four of his first six games of the year were out of the pen. And they were a little careful with him, but not so much. I mean, a lot of games at ninety plus pitches. I I do wonder if he's slightly too inefficient to actually go the 180, 190, um, nine mm-hmm. percent walk rate right in there. And he just needs to oh man, he's so close to uh it's a sixty eight percent strike rate on his seamer. Look, he's Spencer Strider. Like, I don't really see a difference, honestly. Well, the, the velocity. The, I know, but when it comes to actual results of these pitches, uh, 68% strike rate, higher swing strike rate on Javier's four seamer than Strider's. Uh hard contact mitigator the whole thing and also the secondary pitch the slider, similar strike rate 62% I think for both of them. Um similar swing strike rates, hard contact mitigation, like it's it's so similar between the two of them. And there is something to be said about, uh, you know, one of the things we hear a lot, what is the number one predictor of injury outside of previous injury for pitchers? Velocity. Velocity, right? And I generally kind of brush it aside. I just kind of say, like, everybody gets injured, don't really worry too much about it. I can't help but wonder, Strider throwing, like, 99 regularly, and then you see Christian Javier sitting 93.8 and getting the same results... Is there something to be said about Christian Javier being a healthier play than Spencer Strider
1: for the as year of, ahead? As of right now, I have Christian Javier and Spencer Strider back to back, and I have Javier ahead of Strider.
2: Right? Is that such a bold thing to do? Is to have Christian Javier ranked above Spencer Strider? No, I, I'm, I, I don't I'm think very so. tempted to do it. Um, it, it I will, you know, like I will mention the walk rates feel a little bit better in Strider's favor. Uh, which might make him overall a little bit more dominant, and the whip sustainable at 0.95 or uh, sustainable to be lower for Strider. A five point four hit per nine, also for Christian Javier, is so crazy. Uh, that I think the average is eight, eight point seven was the hit per nine. And this was five point four. I, I mean, that's probably going to be closer to six, like six I, and six point five. Even that's like elite.
1: I don't think it's crazy at all, and I think we saw hints of Spencer Strider's injury at the end of last year, Mm. and we saw, honestly, probably a rushed return, and we saw a very quick velocity to diminish, and we saw what happened when that velocity did diminish. That's a one-start sample, so it's unfair, but the injury did rear its head. Whereas Christian Javier, I it's impossible to find why guys hit the IL. I don't really think he hit the IL last year because I think he was kind of back and forth, and then in relief, um, and then was like skipped in the rotation a few times. I like did some deep dives to see if I could find an injury. I don't think there was a major one, um, like there was for Strider. So I, right. yeah, I'm I'm I don't think it's crazy to put. I'll put it this way. I, I know you originally ranked Strider about ten spots ahead of Javier. I imagine that is going to be shrinking. Oh, I've
2: I've already expressed that Christian Javier is going to be in my top twenty. Um, All right, and I saw him go at the mock, mock draft around round seven, around eight, and I just made it know like every single round seven, I'm drafting Christian Javier. I'm <laughs> always that. reach. Uh, I like if it's round seven, and I don't have Christian Javier. I'm getting Christian Javier. <laughs> it's yeah. just done i i imagine by march that's going to be every round six i have to get christian javier but that's i feel so strongly about what he brings to the table
0: and so
1: answer uh, sorry answer me this then real quick
0: answer me this answer
1: me this you you can answer me this for my keeper friends my keeper hometown league three dollar spencer strider or one dollar christian javier for a points league
2: you know fast that's really good question and i'm going to answer it after this break Honestly, you win either way fast. Yeah, Christian Javier at $1 or Spencer Strider at 3 Like, it doesn't matter. You, 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 the, this is a point I think I make a lot. Um, when you look at the tiers, you just kind of say, all right, what is available when I could do it? And you just take the thing and you move on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think when I, when I used to do Reddit AMAs um, every Friday, I'm going to do them a little bit in the preseason. But uh, by the way, thank you so much, Scott Chu, Rick Graham, Ben Palmer helping out with those uh, now. Um, mostly Scott Chu, uh, there used to be questions about like, how do you like my staff? Right. And they would list off the pitchers and I would just do counting of like how many, uh, like pitchers of a certain quality do you have? Do you have an SP one and SP two, three, four, I would just kind of go down the list of their guys and be like, yeah, they have that or they exceeded the normal one or they don't really have it. And that's the only metric I would use. We spend so much time of like this one versus that one. I know you, you do too for your top mm-hmm. 100. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, it's just like, all right, when the draft comes around, I'm going to go down my thing. I'm just like, okay, there's these guys in this tier here. Which one am I feeling for this one? And I said, you know what? I want one where I have this guy. And that that's just how it is, right? At the end of the year, last year, if you took Aaron Nola or you took Shane Bieber or something, are you really just like beating yourself up about it? No. You know, it, it's, not a, it's not a big deal. Yeah. Um, and... The probabilities of like in March of you selecting the correct one, we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so as long as you're taking Christian Javier and you're not taking, um, I don't know, uh, Logan Webb instead, then like, all right, cool. I like Logan, but I kind of actually think it's a little bit undervalued. <laughs> Freddie Peralta or Trevor or Tyler Glasnow is a good example for me. Okay, Tyler Glasnow because that's too much risk. You're not the probabilities are shifted. Like that's important to do. But okay. yeah, I'm not going to get too much in the weeds of this.
1: We have two pitchers remaining, one from you and one from me. Let's get to the person that you alluded to at the top of the cast, someone that you are very intrigued this by that nice I haven't heard a lot of people talking about yet.
2: I know. I know. Okay. Uh, I'm going to elude it for as long as I can. This pitcher was traded in the middle of last season. Uh, he is likely the number seven for his team. Um, at the moment, and you're like, you can't name six other guys on that team, can you? On that team right (laughs) now, yeah. Uh, Yeah, there's going to be one, you're like, what? He's on that team now? Um, This guy, uh, he sits about 96 with his heater. Uh, He improved his VAA. Uh, He has some command issues still to iron out. An excellent slider, and a solid curveball. And I think that over time, this pitcher is going to. I don't know. I think, there, I think there's a little, some little tweaks that he can make to become a, a really good one. Also, is, I think an NFBC ADP I saw in like draft champions is like 550. Mm. Um, so that made me sit up in my chair a little bit. Mine not gets the opportunity until June. And you're like, Nick, please say the name already because I'm already lost. This is Johan Aviedo. And everyone's going to go, oh, that guy, whatever. So fast, or Talk they're gonna right go, who? who? yeah, right. Um, can you name me the six pitchers who are ahead of Johan Aviedo on the depth chart right now for a starting spot in Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh, yes, Pittsburgh Pirates. Can you do this? Okay, Rich Hill, Rich on. Hill, yes, they signed him, yeah, yeah, yeah. hands um, around <laughs> JT, JT Brubaker, coffee cakes, yes, Mitch Keller, Mitch Keller, those are the three easiest. I think there's a fourth easy one,
1: Vince Velasquez. Oh, you knew that one. You knew that Vince
2: Velasquez signed. You cheated on that one. Yeah. There's no way. No, I, I, I'm
1: There's looking no right at you. I don't like cheat. My hands are right here. I'm not doing anything. I can't. I'm, you can see your reflection in uh-huh. my glasses, right?
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, but now, of course, so I like, can't Vince remember.
2: Velasquez is a Pittsburgh Pirate now.
1: Yeah, Vince so, Velasquez is a Pittsburgh Pirate. And then Ronzi Mike. Contreras. Ronzi Contreras, yes. And then I don't know who. I mean, that's five. I don't know who their sixth would be. Oh, man. He's the fun one.
2: He's the one that I think a lot of people are most intrigued by. Who? Luis Ortiz.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You, but you're he's kind of still okay. like who. Um, no, no. no. He's <laughs> their he's their he's their stud uh um uh minor well, league, but he's true. not even in the rotation.
2: Well, that's not he's the number six. And then he, Johan, he, I think, is the seven.
1: Is he even on their forty man right now?
2: I mean he pitched for four games last year.
1: Oh, that's right, he did, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they just project um,
2: him to start. You think there. if I know about him, he must have pitched in the majors. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, but yeah, Ortiz's problem is that I don't think his fastball is actually going to be as good as we want it to be. Despite low hard contact in the very small sample, he doesn't command it well. It's too much horizontal movement. Um, Ronzi Contreras' four seamer last year, did you know this? Over 40% hard contact rate. And oh, that's the Wasker Yanoa rule. If you have a really good slider, but a fastball gets like demolished, you don't do this. And who cares? Yeah. Right. And you want Aviado though. You're going to be like, Nick, I had a 33% Jeez. hard contact rate, 6.4% swing trigger How could you be into this? Because you want Aviado has none of his uh, uh, YM lock, high lock, low lock. None of them exceed 40%. The guy didn't have it figured out yet. of like, what his approach is. And I think he has a flat angle. It was a sub five uh, VAA, mm-hmm. um, 4.9. And I think that if he actually shifts it up, there could be a magnificent shift in his performance on that four seamer. Extension is 7.1. Like it is legit extension. Yeah. And the slider, he throws strikes with it. 70% strike rate last year for Yohan Avellano. 73% on a slider. 18% swing strike rate. 70% call strike rate. That's a 36% or a 36.5% uh, percent CSW. 21% hard contact load. Wait a second. 43% O swing. 50% zone rate. It's a money pitch fast. Okay. Oh, 41% usage. And the curveball, 57% strike rate. Uh, 21% call strike. Like, that is your show me, get me in the zone a uh, curveball that we often see. It's it's intriguing to me. And that four-seamer comes in at 96. Increased it, actually, as the year went on. There's, there's something to this. It's about, is Aviado going to tweak the four-seamer enough? And that's the biggest hesitation is, do we believe in the Pirates to say, Aviado, please emphasize throwing upstairs? And Mitch Keller did it. But he had to go to Tread Athletics to do it. So are we going to have them talking? Are they going to be able to figure that out? Is, I mean, Aviato cannot live in YM lock. Like, I'm looking at his his strike zone plot of four seamers, and it is very much of like, oh, I'm supposed to throw it middle, right? Mm. And it's just, oh, just don't do that. Don't do that. Um, so I think it's intriguing. I think there is more to this because I believe more in the fastball's potential than I, I surprisingly do in the upper 90s of Luis Ortiz and the 96 turn 94 to 95 of Ronzi Contreras. Um, I, I need to see more with Ortiz. But I, yeah, I do wonder if the, the, the side movement actually just isn't as good as we want it to be despite the velocity. Well, I feel like, oh, it's like it's like
0: right there. For it's a fun find. I don't find. know. It's why it's, a it's a very fun like find.
2: an actual sleeper to me. And in your 12 is, teamers, you do not draft this. Yeah. But you take note Is Aviedo getting a chance to start? And when he starts, everyone goes, Who is this guy? We don't care. You go, No, that's Aviedo. Is he throwing high fastballs now? And if he is, I'm in.
1: Right? That's it. What yeah. do you got? Why are you laughing so much? I'm just thinking of like what a dumb, hilarious shirt that would be. The shirt is, No, Ooh, it's- that's Avieto. <laughs> <laughs> like i love that as and the back oh, is boy. and if he throws his fastball uh like that it's oh. for some reason so I'm being like who is that and you're like no that's, Avieto. that's Avieto.
2: Avieto. yeah. and everyone's got to whisper Avieto. it around Avieto, Avieto. Avieto. Avieto.
1: oh my god you where'd know? you get that you know, like walks Avieto into the shirt.
2: ball with a delicate gown right
1: i can't decide if it's no is it no exclamation mark that's aviedo or is it no comma that's, comma. that's, that's comma. Okay. Oh.
2: That's aviato.
1: That's obvious. yeah, okay, you're right. Um, all right, very we're good.
2: like drinking a beer, like, what is this? What, is this, uh, is this uh, Sam Adams?
1: No, no, that's Obvious. Turns to the camera, lights <laughs> up. Uh, perfect, love it. Um, all right, we have one final picture that we're going to get to. We were going to do two. We're not going to do Spencer Strider because we had a quick conversation about him. No, we're, we're not like gonna Spencer do...
2: Sprider, We've Everyone has talked enough about him, I think, at this point. And well, I, we can do I, this. I do want to emphasize that there is some injury risk there, so.
1: Who, who do you want to talk about? I'll give you a choice between these two and then the other one we'll get to oh. in a later podcast. Do you want to talk about a good fastball or do you want to talk about a bad fastball with great breakers?
2: Uh, I haven't done the second one yet. I'm actually doing it tomorrow morning. Okay. So let's do the other
1: one. Let's do the good fastball.
2: Good fastball.
1: Okay. So we're talking about Nestor Cortez, and we will never tell you who the other option was. We're talking about Nestor Cortez. It was Joe Musgrove. We're talking about Nestor Cortez, uh, who's very interesting, right? So, yeah, saw career high in innings at about 160 last year. And it was funny because I was trying to see what it was that like led him to have such to not hit 170 because he hit the IL once with a groin injury but that was later and I think it was just a minimal stint of 15 days in the IL and then everything he had a, a pretty average innings per start like it wasn't terrible I think it was like top 40 um so I don't know why he unless there was some injury that I'm totally forgetting or maybe he was skipped or whatever I don't know why he only hit 160 um, there were is, uh, only four starts
2: in April, but the season started later. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I I mean, he did have that groin injury. Yeah, he only missed a minimal amount. Um, yeah, I mean, it was 5.6 innings per start, 28 of them. Uh, if you go th- f- five innings per start for 30 games, it's 150. Uh, yeah, no,
1: I don't know. That's interesting. It's weird. I felt like they, that he could, he could, he could, All it's all the more reason to think he could theoretically exceed that next year. So, right. uh, the other thing that's kind of interesting, as is true with a lot of Yankees, we, we saw a, a big increase in the cutter usage. Um, it went from about 24 to 30 percent, and that came at the expense of the changeup. You dropped the usage there. Often, what happened, I think this happened with Walker Bueller, although it could have theoretically been the injury that led to Tommy John. I think it happened a little bit with Jamison Tyone. We saw, um, a decline in fastball effectiveness among starters who focused on the cutter a little bit more. And my God, that did not happen with Nestor Cortez at all. One of the no, best, not. if not the best four seamer in baseball last year, near 200 Woba, near 200 X Woba, 239 uh, about a 24% hard contact rate, uh, which is about 6% below league average, 42% under percentage, which means that guys just could not stop getting under that four seamer, Um, he also made it a little bit flatter than usual. Obviously the, the pitch development team with Matt Blake over in New York is, is fantastic. It got a career best 13 inches of drop, which is five inches less than what he threw in 2020. So it was far flatter than what we saw in 2020. Now you brought this up a little bit earlier. And while the YM lock on pitcher list, um, shows it slightly above average. I looked at the, the middle, middle four seamers, the, the, um, the four seamers over the heart of the plate um, and how he did, right? How he did in areas where he just went over the heart of the plate and he did marvelous top 10 in baseball, Um, third best Woba on middle, middle four seamers. And he did it over 30%, 30% of his four seamers were middle, middle, which is relatively high, but he did not get punished for him at all. Um, Which speaks to the deception that he has, right? I mean, you talked a little bit when we were talking about him, but that kind of, the um, arm angle that he releases that four seamer from and the combination of releasing it from that angle and getting the amount of rise that he does on that pitch the cutter also didn't really lose anything in terms of performance it it, it gets a lot more horizontal movement than average He put up really good wobos and ex-wobos on that he increased the swinging strike rate a full tick Um, i don't really care that the k percent dropped overall because i think it's just the the amount of innings that he saw increased and him just kind of catching up with the swing strike rate people could look at that 232 Babip and yeah that's probably not going to be sustained overall um but again he got so much poor contact on both that fastball and that cutter so many infield fly balls on both of those pitches i do wonder uh if the change in cutter usage uh, and tinkering that he did with the slider maybe caused the swinging strike rate to drop a little bit, but I I don't know. I'm, I, I, you know, I used to kind of think, you know, maybe just because of how he was portrayed in the media that like, oh, he's just kind of kitschy and fun. And I don't know if this is sustainable. I don't know, man. Uh, while I I don't know if we're going to see another 10% home run to fly ball ratio, but even if he keeps it relatively close to 10%, I still think you're talking a low three ERA pitcher with a good whip, and a probably good amount of innings. What was my final projection for him? And then I can toss it over to you for your thoughts. My final projection for Cortez was 165 innings, 10 wins, whatever. 305 ERA, 105 whip with about a 26% K rate, which ends about being 165 Ks. Not bad. Really not bad. What are you what thinking about, there? Mr. Cortez? The whip was 105. Man, so you're saying 305, 105. 305,
2: wow. 105. Yeah. That is that is an aggressive projection. Generally, projections are going to be more conservative than that. Um, man. I mean, I love Nestor Cortez. I think he's getting undervalued a little bit. I find myself comfortably getting him in the eighth, ninth round or so. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do that all day. Cause I do believe in a four-seamer. Um, behind the scenes here, we really, really like Nestor Cortez's four seamer. Um, you were saying it's the best one in baseball. Some standards we have that's called the fifth or the sixth best four seamer in baseball. Mm-hmm. The guys like DeGrom and Strider right ahead of, you know? Yeah. Uh, And that's so weird to see with it being 92 miles per hour through the year. But the results, I mean, and this isn't even talking results-based, but you know, 156 batting average allowed, an X average of 174, 24 hard contact rate. Again, with a fastball is so good. 70% strike rate. He's using this 44% of the time. The cutter is effective. It's a nice uh, mix-up to him uh, against right-handers staying inside against them. It's lovely that you see that. The slider is more of a called strike offering. 26% called strike rate on that. Only an 8% uh, uh, swing strike rate. I actually think there's another level that could be achieved for Cortez if he had an actual wipeout pitch, which he doesn't have. He doesn't really have that offering. Uh, nothing in his repertoire is a 14% swing strike rate or higher, and it's so shocking to say that. Yet he has a 26% K rate. It's a 12% swing striker because the four seamer is near that 13-14% mark. But that is really, really strange. Um, put away rate was really good for the cutter and the four seamer, uh, 22% uh, for the for both of them. Um, when generally put away rates are around 16%. And maybe there's something to that about uh, his efficiency this year. I'm probably putting the K rate a little bit lower to closer to 24, 25% personally. Yeah. Um, I don't know if the hit per nine can be 6.1 again, uh, which makes me think that the whip goes up a bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, 110 whip with a 320 ERA or so, like great. <laughs> uh, he's going to start every five days for the Yankees. There's no way they're holding him back. Um. Yeah, I mean, I think honestly last year there were just moments they didn't let Cortez go fully. Like they needed a few starts to get revved up in the beginning. Then they slowed him down uh, when he did return a little bit and that brought it down the innings. But honestly, think of it like 28 starts really around 165 innings, which makes sense. Then you throw in another four and you get closer to 180, right? Um, so that that's really isn't that much of a, a inning suppression. At 158 come to think of it with a 5.6 innings per game, right? So, yeah, I like Nusser cortez I'm getting him wherever I can as my SP2 or 3. Um, you're going to be happy with it. Winning ball club, too. Like, don't look, look past the 92-mile-per-hour fastball. It's about is this effective or not? And, oh boy, it is. It's,
1: it's effective, you know,
2: yeah. Rich Hill's 88.5 has a 30-plus percent CSW, and it has pretty much forever that we've understood Rich Hill as fantasy-relevant. So, so don't worry about. Jobs.
1: Yeah, yeah, you convinced me too. I I raised the ERA a little bit, uh, kept the WHIP, and uh, dropped the K rate a little bit. That's a good. Good points. Okay, there me. you go. Um, Nick, what a fun conversation! This is why I love these podcasts. So you fun. Just focus. So just fun. Just focus. You know what I mean? Just shut it all out and focus. Apologies to all you Joe Musgrove and Spencer Strider fans. I'm sorry I didn't cover uh those dudes in this podcast. However,
2: if you want to check out Joe Musgrove, you're just gonna have mm-hmm. to either. Tune in to my Twitch stream. You can also watch the recap as I go through the San Diego Padres on Wednesday morning, um, January 4th. Or you can just listen for that podcast on the Plus Pitch podcast around the the 20th, 25th, something like that uh, of the month. So definitely uh, look for that one.
1: Boy, oh boy, do we got content for you. But that is enough of the content from us today. What are we
2: doing next week? Do you think we're going to
1: maybe start? the rankings that's up to you mine mine don't come out until february that's that's that is entirely on I your might. shoulders you we might we've got a lot of pot
2: this is what we want to do y'all let us know this is what you want we're thinking of doing essentially 10 pictures per podcast as mm-hmm. i do my top 100 on this boatloads of content yeah <laughs> and then uh and then fasts uh top 100 at the end of february which will mm-hmm. be what two podcasts or so two or three
1: two or three i think we're gonna do yeah. one through 50 51 through 100 and then the guys that didn't make the cut
2: right and then march will be hey spring training is ex- existing how are we changing this stuff as i have my updated one probably the first week of march mm-hmm. and then we do more about what's going on in spring training until then we update it and then voila the season starts guess what fast this is a normal season we have oh, a normal- so nice
1: season so nice and we had a great off season we had a great winter meetings we said had all the all the big names are are pretty much signed and wrapped up it was such a glorious off season oh my gosh
2: yeah right it it's was like, good
1: remember this time last year we had no idea where anyone was signing no oh god yeah for the past like five years i, I feel like it started oh, with the harper yeah. deal it took harper forever to sign and oh since right. then it's just been like yeah it is really oh. nice it's like
2: january and they're the whole korea thing fine but yeah but i, was, I, was, good. I give good give me, me one piece you know, who the two best starting
1: pitchers on the free agent market are right now.
2: God, uh, I mean, I would I'm not say, including Zach Ranky because I assume
1: he retired, by the way. Let me guess. I mean, I would say Michael Waka and Johnny Cueto.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So it, it's nice for me when I'm going through all the rotations. I'm like, there aren't
1: really many edits to make now.
2: Thank you. One uh, of those is going to be an Zach Oriole. Davies? You think one is going to be an Oriole?
1: Between Cueto and Waka? Probably Waka. Yeah, I
2: thought it'd be. Oh, I was going to say Cueto. He's, he's such an Oriole.
1: Uh, either. I, I imagine one of them will, will, will start in in the rotation. What is going yeah. on with the team? Who, who is our opening day? Rotation I know. It's as well?
2: so funny to me. I mean, Kyle Gibson makes all the sense, but it's like. He's, he's our opening, opening day timeline. starter. I know. <laughs> it's I'm excited about Grayson Rodriguez. That'll be an interesting one to talk about.
1: At least he virtually will like he it's guaranteed he will break camp at this point. Anyway, well, we're I'll not digressing thing, into
2: that's virtual. Okay. <laughs> God right.
1: uh, I'm not digressing into orioles talk or puns as we've already done. That is going to do it for episode number 365 all year, baby, of Pitcher Lists on the Quarter Podcast. <laughs> I butchered it. I butchered it because I got the joke in about the new year. That's gonna do it for episode number three sixty five of On the Quarter, the official pitcherlist.com podcast. I'm your host, Alex Fast.
2: And I'm Nick Pollock, and we'll talk to you guys next week.